Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. We're your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, we explore a different perspective on or experience of depression because it varies in form and severity, affecting us differently. Our guests share intimate details of their struggles, coping strategies, and recovery. We keep it real because the struggle is real. We keep it hopeful because there is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We're not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and know that talking about the illness reduces stigma and humanizes the experience, making it safer and easier to ask for needed support. You are far from alone. Hey, Bridget. Hey, Terry. It's season 10 of the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. It's very exciting, and we've got some really good interviews lined up, so it's going to be a great season. We will also be making a major announcement next week. Uh, For now, we'll give you the very big hint that this episode is sponsored by Mental Health America Wisconsin, which really understands and values the fact that these shared stories reach people, whether or not they're ready to talk about their depression whether or not they're ready to reach out for treatment or help, whether they've even named what they're experiencing as depression. And today's guest, Kristen, is a wordsmith, a published Northwest poet and artist. Kristen looks at depression from both a poetic familiarity and detachment, which I find is just a fascinating balance. Agreed. And that allows her to find value and beauty and gifts in her illness's voice. There's definitely comfort to be found in her words. You feeling good? I feel great. My greatest intention for all of the interviews is to keep it real because we all need that. We all need to keep it real. So anything that is in your comfort zone to make it so that somebody who is in a very painful place potentially including suicidal, you know, might glean right. some, some things to kind of hold on to as a life raft, if you will. I'm pretty comfortable. I don't hide. I mean, this is, this is part of me. And, it, you know, I own my shadow. That's where I get my voice. Beautiful. Lucky for us. So if you're comfortable, I'd like to start with touching on the process, sort of that internal process or feelings about preparing for the podcast, because that's something that we don't touch on. And I personally found it to be quite a cathartic kind of coming out. What I wanted was to be clear. I wanted to be open. And I wanted to, most of all, make it clear that I'm not ashamed. In our society, worth is tied to productivity Mm -hmm. and that's not the source of our worth our worth is inherent our worth is part of us it's uh, we began with it and we'll end with it and what's important is to recognize that you can resurrect yourself you can rise like a phoenix from the ashes and you can remember that you have survived you have survived many of these depressions frequently. Or if it's your first depression, recognize that they're time limited. They do not go on forever. I want to put a hand out and say, you will survive. Wonderful. And that is definitely mission number one for giving voice to depression. So 
Beautifully said. Do I have permission, Kristen, to share some of the quotes that you um, emailed me while we were kind of lining this interview up? Yes, you do. So you mentioned to me, and I quote, part of successfully living with my illness is reaching out to others. I do find that part of being stable is giving myself extra time so that I can do things well. I tell myself that it's okay to prepare carefully so that I am not overwhelmed. And I just hope you can speak to us a little bit about that state of overwhelm and managing it because it's a tightrope that we're all walking every minute of the day. You know, when my depressions are severe, I have chronic panic attacks and it's very difficult for me to socialize. But what I recognize is that's okay. If I need to curl up, if I need to be within, that's okay. We have to give room to our depression. We have to give grace to it because that it will pass and it's okay to be in the midst of it. That reminds me of something Rumi talks about emotions and feelings as guests in our house of our of our reality, our oh, moment, our body. And and I and either I added this a long time ago, so I still equate it to him, or he also said it's okay to leave the doors open so that they can leave. You yeah. don't you don't want to kick really them out, like but <laughs> I re- I really like that. And it you you know your your podcast is about giving voices to depression. And that's important to recognize that your depression has its own voice, and that's valid. What I do with the voice that comes from my depression is I write about it. And I do that in the privacy of my home. I do it alone. But I found that when I have the courage to submit my poetry to all kinds of places, people are hearing me, even though it comes out of the quietness. People hear what you're experiencing, and they hear themselves in it. They find themselves, and you have then created a passageway between you and people who are suffering. Well, one of the kind of astonishing, um, gosh, one of so many astonishing wisdoms that have, have kind of revealed themselves to my sister and I during this last two-and-a-half-year whirlwind is that that voice for most of us is... It, it sort of says universally the same things to most of us. It's a very limited vocabulary, you know? It's, yes. It, not to mention it's a liar and a bully and, you know. Right. Richard Rohr says that anything that pulls love or suffering from you gives you the opportunity for union. And tell me what that means gives, for you. It means that we're not alone. If one of the lies that depression tells us is you're the only one. And if you told anybody else, they wouldn't like you, they wouldn't accept you. But the truth is that 10% of the people that you meet will have suffered from some kind of depression and frequently recurrent and deep depressions. And so those people are looking for a handout. They're looking for someone who's experienced what they're experiencing. And so recognize that what you are going through has value. Mm. And your type of depression, Kristen, is bipolar disorder two, which I grew up calling uh, manic depression. 
And when I looked it up yes. on WebMD, they said that bipolar 2 is similar to bipolar 1 disorder with mood cycling between high and low over time. However, with bipolar 2, those ups or those higher moods uh, never really reach full-blown mania. That's right. What you find with bipolar 2 is recurring deep depression. And the my, the mania, they call it hypomania, is simply a, a, a reprieve where you go through periods of more energy and the ability to enjoy your surroundings. But the depression will return. I take medication, I take several medications, and they put a floor underneath those severe depressions so that I don't sink into being suicidal, which I, which I have a number of times. Um, I've had some hospitalizations where, you know, I felt like I was gonna hurt myself, and so I went to the hospital to get some help you know, if you're comfortable talking to us about this, I often feel that when we, when, when guests or we speak about hospitalization, that then that's sort of private now and we're not really talking about that. And I know that you said you went somewhere because you knew you needed help, but A, did you find help there? And B, just is there anything to kind of pull back that curtain and reveal that piece to us a little bit? Well, what it means is that Normally, the hospital will not accept you as a patient unless you are deeply suicidal. And during times when I wanted to take all my medication, I just wanted to go to sleep and never wake up, I made myself get in the car, drive to the hospital, and have an interview with someone and say, I am, I am thinking of dying. And so what happens is that then normally there's a ward in the hospital for psychiatric patients. And when you get in there, you'll start seeing a psychiatrist usually every day, and he'll generally uh, try to tweak your medication. And then you'll find that there are groups of other people with mental illnesses and that those people are interesting and they're worthwhile and they have strengths and they have wisdom. And that enables you to recognize, I'm, I'm part of a community. I'm part of a group of people who have value and I have value. And so when you are discharged from the hospital, usually after a couple weeks and only when you feel stronger, you've, you've come away from the situation recognizing that you are not alone. You are not alone. Mm. And you're a poet, Kristen. Yes. So can you speak to um, what both you and Young call the shadow and how that yes. has inspired you to create and express your darkness in order to, you know, move through the darkness? When we become sick, we go to a place inside ourselves that feels alone. But I found that in those dark periods, the things that come out of me, the words that come out of me are heard by other people that in fact they identify with mm. what I'm saying. So I take these opportunities to talk about resurrection, to talk about being a phoenix and rising from the ashes. And it comes from the deepest place within me, and I trust that it will be received. I trust that 
other people will find worth in it. And they do. Mm, that's beautiful. You you have shared with me that you, um, I believe it was a, a, a mutual friend of ours, defined your depression as a terrible gift. It is a terrible gift. I think that's the best description of it I have ever heard. Because it has so much darkness that you often think there'll be no way out. And yet, I remember one day after a very, very serious depression, I began to see um, what was around me again. I began to talk. I began to feel better. And she said, you are the most resurrected person I know. Mm. That was the deepest compliment I have ever received. Mm. You shared with me that, you know, that you work with this struggle, with this companion every day, and that you take psych meds on a schedule and that you're in therapy. And you said that you keep your life very quiet, as is also a coping mechanism that I integrate, and that you talk back to your anxiety. And I'd like to hear about the talking back. I look at myself in the mirror and I say, you are beautiful. You are good. You are wise. And my depression says back to me, I'm ashamed. I'm not functional. I'm not doing what other people do. And then my husband is a real rock. And he says, you don't have anything to be afraid of. I am here. You are here. You are fine. It's okay. And he generally says, I want you to know I love you. I want to be married to you. Mm. And so glad you're my wife. And I say to myself, carry on. You are worthy. Carry on. And you, I would say you take it one step, one giant step further than that. You journal, you paint, you write. And as you said, you do everything that you can to draw the juice from it. Yes. Yes, I do. It has its beauty. I do journal. I journal um, throughout the day. And I also write. I, um, I make myself submit. I make myself say, what you have written is important. And I want you to share it because someone is obviously hearing it or it wouldn't be getting published. Well, on that note, Kristen, thank you so much for sharing yourself with us. And if you would be willing to close this podcast out and share with us something that you've written, because I know poetry is your sacred ground, we'd be honored. Thank you. This poem is titled, I Swallowed Hope That Winter. Mm. I swallowed hope that winter until the shape of what I'd lost grew in me, pressing an imprint into my old soul, like a furrowed field, a silent parking lot. And I nearly surrendered as it gained substance, filling in like a footprint in the rain. It took time. It took summer. But at last I began to speak of seagrass, scotch broom, and sand dollars. I sprouted wings. I sang. I shook out my dark corners. I wore a nimbus of truth that caused people to sit next to me. I saw God in everything. The bald crows asleep on a wire. 
the dandelions in our backyard. I digressed, I exhaled, I wandered. I found my old soul in a field of white wildflowers in a moonlit parking lot. So many gems in that. Oh, I just hear her saying it's okay to be within, that you can create a passageway between you and people suffering, that meds put a floor beneath her depression. Mm -hmm. I uh, loved that. Yes, and that talking with other psychiatric patients allowed her to see both in them and herself their strength and wisdom, their value, their fact that they're interesting. There was just so much packed into that. Yeah, she's, um, you know, she's living with, you know, on a daily basis, a challenge. And many of us sort of, uh, you know, lose our own voice and defer to the voice of depression during that experience. And I find it fascinating that that that's when she's able to find the words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you would like to read more of Kristen's poetry, we will link to her site with this episode so that you can find it easily and read some more. Thank you for listening. We can't wait to share with you next week about a partnership that is going to ensure that we can continue producing this podcast for at least another full year. We're so excited. So excited. It's a big one. Thank you, Kristen, for sharing your voice and your gifts with us. Mm. And to quote her, we'll end with, carry on, you are worthy. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on Depression's Dark Road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.